Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grace, Peace, and Balance radio show by Gabi Abdelgadir. And uh, this is episode 70, and I have an absolute amazing guest for you today. If this man doesn't inspire you, I don't know who can. So I'm reading you his short bio, but you need to get to know him yourself on a personal level. I'll be posting his bio and his credentials and all his social media links on the page uh, on the bottom. So get in touch with him. His name is Paul Porcione. Paul was born with cerebral palsy and it was so severe that the doctors told his mom that he was not his story. He was able to overcome it and is now able to live a very active life. However, it wasn't easy to get to that point. Today, as a mindset coach, Paul shares his story with his clients to help them rewrite their own stories to go after their true dreams and desires. Paul, welcome to my podcast. Thanks, Gabby. I truly appreciate being on here. Yeah, good. So talk to me. Tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your childhood and uh, all the challenges you had to go through. Absolutely. So if your viewers don't know what this is, it's called cerebral palsy. And it happens at birth. It's lack of oxygen to the brain at birth. Um, And as a result of this lack of oxygen to the brain at birth, it can leave one side of the body paralyzed. And this is permanent. It does not go away. So when I was born, um, my mom noticed I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And obviously, as, as a concerned mother, she got uh, me to the doctors to do some testing to see what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And after coming through the testings, uh, the doctor confirmed that I suffered from cerebral palsy. And at the time, the doctor thought it was so severe that I would never, ever be able to walk. How old were you at the time? He said that? I was just, a, I was just an infant. I was only a few months old. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank goodness for a great mom. She didn't go with that diagnosis. She got other opinions, found a physician that was willing to help me. And with the work with this physician, I was able to walk at age three. Oh, um, I don't really remember that. Obviously that's an awesome feat. Yeah. Um, to find uh, the other doctor's orders, I was never going to be able to walk. Yeah. Um, but I, don't, I do remember being put into soccer around four, about five or six years old. And at the time, I could probably run about 25 to 50 yards. And these other kids obviously are running laps around the soccer field and actually playing soccer. And I'm basically just standing there. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to my mom going, ah, this, is, this is crazy. I don't want to play soccer. I'm just basically standing there. I'm making a fool out of myself. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And my mom said, uh, if you want to play soccer, that's okay. But you have to honor your commitment. So you have to finish out the soccer season. And after that, you don't have to play soccer anymore. And that's basically what happened. I've never, ever played soccer in my life. And now I'm 40 and I don't do it. (laughs) You don't do it. Yep. Yeah. But I got a big break when I was six or seven years old. I got surgery on my right foot to tighten up the tendon to give me a little bit more spring in my step. And I didn't know how much this was going to change things, but it was going to be huge. I changed schools around that same time. And I remember my first day of physical education. We did our stretches and and the teacher says, Okay, guys, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards, and I'm going to have to stop. And these other kids are going to start teasing me because that's all I can run. But because of my surgery was different. I remember going past that point where I normally have to stop. And I remember saying to myself, 
come on, Paul, you got this, buddy. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I, and I finished the lap with the other kids. On the outside, I kept it cool, but on the inside, I was like, yes, 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 yes. The first time in my life, in my young life, that I just fit in, I didn't stand out. It was a huge, huge, huge feat for me. And because of this, things did get easier for me, but I wouldn't consider them easy. I switched schools again in, in junior high, middle school, whatever you want to call it. It's around 12 or 13 years old. And that's just a tough age. You know, kids are going through changes, hormonal, and they're very, very, they're very, very honest. They do not hold back. They don't have a filter. They just say what's on their mind. And sometimes it can be kind of mean. So just being a new kid alone going into that situation can be very, very hard. Yep. But I was going into the situation as a new kid, plus I had a disability because I still hold my right arm a little bit differently and I still walk with a little bit of a limp. So mm -hmm. I, I did stand out. So I got in there and I was not received well. I was bullied, teased all the time. And to make matters worse, um, my mom uh, raised me Catholic, so she wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. I had to take an assessment test to see where I was going to be at academically in high school. Mm -hmm. Well, I must have bombed the test because when I met with the principal and my mom, the principal says, oh, you know what, we're going to put Paul at the lowest level possible and I don't expect much from him. He's not, he doesn't seem like he's college girl. After one test, uh, this uh, principal tells, tells me that. Oh, my goodness. So I go, yeah. So I go back to school. I'm being bullied. I'm still getting bullied and teased. I, 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 I have this information from the principal saying that I'm not college material. I'm crying myself to sleep because I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just saying, why me? Why do I have to be different? Why can't I just fit in with the other, the other kids? And I don't know what came over me, but midway through my eighth grade, I was just tired and sick of being tired and sick all the mm -hmm. time because those down that those weren't my, my go-to emotions, anger and, and sadness. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, what could I do to distract me from these, these feelings? And I thought, what if I set a goal for myself? So I focus on the goal and not worry about that outside noise. And at the time, I really loved baseball. So I said, okay, what if I try to make my varsity baseball team in high school? So mm -hmm. I said, okay, let's do this. So I played fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And I was doing this constantly. And the great thing about this, Gabby, I didn't know this at the time, but knowing this now, I was saying out a different energy to these kids. I had my shoulders back, my head up. I was gaining confidence in myself through the school that I was setting for myself. And as, as a result of this new energy, kids were sending a different energy back towards me. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started to root for me, all because of this energy shift. Yeah, that's and, so tough. That is a very tough age. I have been through it. My son has been through it, and it's a tough place to be at those years. Grade, actually, from grade 7 to grade 12, it's a tough place. Yeah. And then continue. Sounds good. So, so I was able to make my uh, varsity baseball team a junior and, and a senior, which was tremendous. I graduated high school, and I started to think of back to what that principal said to me years earlier about not being college material. Because all through high school, I just did enough to stay eligible to play baseball because I thought to myself, what's the point of doing anything further? Uh, I'm not college material. Why waste my time? Just do enough to stay eligible to play baseball and then move on. And that was kind of my mantra throughout school. Um, but now that my baseball career was pretty much over at this point, I thought to myself, well, 
I, I set that goal to make my varsity baseball team. I had cerebral palsy. At the time, it was a near impossible feat to even think about me completing this, and I was able to do it. So why not set a new goal? Why not say that I am college material? So I enrolled myself into a, a junior college because I was the only place that really would accept me. Mm-hmm. I got myself a tutor. I went to the math lab. I did all the necessary things I needed to do to increase my, my grade point average. Mm-hmm. And, I was able to, and I was able to do it. And then I was able to transfer to a four-year university where I was able to graduate. And I so oh, wanted to go wow. back to that. Pro- yeah, yeah. Amazing. Thank you. And I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, you were wrong. I was college material. I, 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 I was good enough to go to college. I would, uh, but I, I would, if I were you, I would, if she's still alive, I would give her a visit, not necessarily to be rude, just to remind uh-huh. her because these teachers, they're supposed to give the kids morale. They're supposed to encourage them, not say that like he's not college material. Seriously? Okay, I would give her a visit, Paul. Anyway, <laughs> and then, so what happened after? <laughs> So I, I ended up not doing that. I, I do think she's still alive. So maybe, maybe, I, maybe I should take you up on that and, 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 and give, her a, give her a visit and say, hey, I was able to graduate college. It's been, a, it's been a long time, so she may not even remember me, but, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I, I think to myself I should actually thank her for giving me the motivation to hit the books as hard as I did because I don't know if she would have said that to me. I don't know if that would have triggered me to really go, you know what, I'm going to go after it. So. I just look at it, you know, thank her and, and, and move on. But, yeah, if I do see her around, I'll say, hey, hey, Cal State Fullerton graduate here. <laughs> <laughs> Remember you said this to me when I was this year's old and at this grade? Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. You can thank her, like, because you, I would like to thank you. Like, you know, be positive about it and also yeah. remind her that, you know, it was not something nice to say. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And then what happened? So I graduated college and I have no life experience. I have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. So I had a family friend who was a CEO of a small bank and he said, why don't you try becoming a mortgage loan officer with me? And I said, okay, great. So he hired me. I get into the job and nobody wants to talk to me. Everybody's ignoring me. I'm sitting alone at lunch and I'm like, this is crazy. It brings me back to when I was at junior high. Yeah. And the reason why they didn't want to talk to me is because they knew I got the job from this, knowing the CEO of the company. So they knew it wasn't because of my talents. It's who I knew. So what their, their plan was for me was they were going to chew me up and spit me out because I wasn't worthy enough to be there. Yeah. Um, so I started to think about, you know, what I did in junior high to get over this. And then I, I thought back to that baseball goal and I thought, what attributes could I use for this goal to help me, you know, help me in this situation? So I thought, well, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to work extremely hard and I'm going to have a positive attitude and I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's what I did. I had a great positive attitude. I never complained about the workload. If anybody needed something, I would get it done. And from afar, because they did not want to see me, uh, what I was, I was observing what the top loan officers did on a daily basis. So I was doing that. And I remember my first day where I thought I was ready to go out in the field and get mortgage loans. Yeah. And uh, the CEO of the company stops me. Then my family friend says, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm going to go out. I'm ready. I'm going to go out and get some loans. He's like, he has a concerned look on his face like, oh, man, man. No, 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 no. You are not ready. Right. Let me get you some more training. We'll get you ready to go at it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I got this. Let me go, let me go. So I went out and I fell on my face over and over and over again. I really didn't, I wasn't ready, but I just went out there and I was trying, I was doing things 
and uh, I, I didn't know what the clients needed. I was getting up, beat up by the clients. It, it, it was pretty hard for me. Yeah, but, but slowly, it was still a learning uh, lesson for you. That, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, failing it, is it, always it, a lesson, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it extremely helped me because it, it took away the fear of, of what I was fearing in the beginning of the no. I was getting no so often it really didn't affect me at all. Yeah. So I just started to learn. You're, you're absolutely right. I started learning from my failures yeah. and I started to get better and better and sharpen my, my skills, sharpen and sharpen and sharpen. And I started to figure out value I could add to these clients. And, and it started to snowball from there. And two years later, I became a top producer in that, in that office. Oh and the people who didn't God. want to talk to me yeah. Uh, in the beginning are now coming to me for advice on how to increase their sales numbers. So it was a real, uh, real change in, in energy from the, the, the people in the, the company. Yeah. And for the longest time, I really, really enjoyed being in the, uh, in the mortgage business. Then, then 2008, 2009 hit and the economy just went boop. Down, I remember. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, I would get a job, a job in the industry and the whole company would go under and I'd have to get another job. And it, it was just very, very hard. stressful, very, very hard. And I was really losing the luster of, of the industry. And I remember uh, this motivational speaker coming to talk to our, our sales team one time to motivate us to get us ready to go out and get more loans. And the guy blew me away. The guy was tremendous. Do you remember his the, name? Yes, John Petz. John Petz. He uh, he 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 started as a, a music, not a musician. Who does they do magic? What is that? What is that called? A musician? Not a musician. Magician. Magician. Yeah. He he was a he started as a magician, and then he and then he transferred over to life life coaching and then motivational speaking. Speaker. Okay. I yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he's he's really really good. He probably doesn't remember me, but but he changed my life. So anyway, he said, you know, after he was a, uh, a magician, he he became a life coach, and he's like, and I'm like, a life coach? What the heck is that? And he explained to me what a life coach did, and I'm like, maybe that's what I want to do. So I started to get my coaching certificate, put it out in the universe that that's what I wanted to do. You know. People in the mortgage industry were just kind of humoring me. Okay, life coach, go out and get loans, bud, whatever. <laughs> they didn't really pay me any mind there. Yeah. And then uh, things started to get real serious because I got my licensing and then I got um, my website up. And the company I was working at the time, the legal team, got word of my, my side business. And they were like, what are you doing? And I explained what I was doing. And they're like, this could be a conflict of interest. So they came back not. with me. Yeah, they not. came back. Yeah, well... Yeah, so they gave me a five-page report on what I couldn't couldn't say. So um, I, I wasn't going to get any any anywhere with this with these restrictions. It wasn't just it wasn't going to happen. So I had to make some hard decisions. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to really give this a go. I'm going to have to give this a go. So I um, paid down all my debts. I changed all my spending habits. It took me about a year to do all this stuff. I left the mortgage industry and went to, to coaching. And the people in the, uh, that I quit, they're like, what are you doing? You just made Presence Club and you're quitting to become a coach. And what is this life coach nonsense? You're going to fail. And they're like, you're going to fail and you're going to be coming back. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. And 
Yeah, and then I, I became a coach, and I was just I, – I, again, I was falling on my face. I didn't know what I was doing, really. I was trying to do different things. Nobody was really trusting me. Nobody really wanted to hire me. It was really, really hard, and I was starting to doubt myself to see if I really should be a coach and I should go, or should I go back to be in the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. Then I thought about uh, uh, the client, and how do I expect the client to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with them? See, the story I told you, Gabby, about me having cerebral palsy, I wanted to bury that story. I didn't want to tell anybody that story because all through growing up, all I wanted to do was just fit in. I didn't want any special treatment. I just wanted you to treat me like everybody else. So because of that fact, I I didn't want to talk about having cerebral palsy. And even if it was brought up, I would get so emotional, I would almost be in tears about it. Mm-hmm. And if, if somebody saw me limping and they asked me what was wrong with my leg, I would say, I would make up some silly story. I wouldn't want to go there with the cerebral palsy. But I thought to myself, the only way I'm going to be able to really connect with these clients is if I open up about where I'm coming from. Exactly. Start- people like real life stories and people, resiliency, being resilient always gives you credibility. So that was yeah. a good move. Yeah. Okay. And? Yeah, it, it, it worked. It worked. People started to, to uh, come to me and go, oh, you know what? I don't have cerebral palsy, but I have this. And, you know, so they just started gravitating toward me just because of me telling my story. And I started to build, build, build and uh, started my own podcast. And, and now I started my own uh, Facebook group. And, um, you know, we're just building from there. And I'm here with you, Gabby, and having a good time. I know. Thank you so much. That was so inspiring. Have you ever tried to get to schools, Paul? Uh, yeah, that will be the next steps. Uh, uh, the next steps into into my journey. I haven't done too many speaking engagements, but I'm yes. going to try to transition a little bit to do a little bit more of a speaking engagement because I've just been doing mostly the coaching stuff, yeah. and now transitioning to a little bit more of the speaking well, engagements the speaking. now that. Yeah, the COVID, uh, you know, now that COVID is lifting a little bit there. I know, but still, people like I think they could be open for Zoom. Yeah, yeah, of course, you're right. Yeah, like schools are closed here in Toronto, so we're actually on a stay-at-home lockdown, and uh, schools are closed. So it's been like a very tough time. So for parents, for the kids, and for everything, but. Uh, it could be Zoom. You just need to get in touch with some of the board of directors of the schools. Where are you? In Los Angeles? You are in Los Angeles? No. Yes. Uh, yeah. South of Los Angeles in Long Beach. But yeah, I'm 20 minutes out of LA. Yeah. Is Long Beach 20 minutes out of LA? Because I have been there a few yeah. times. Is it 20 minutes yeah. out of LA? My goodness. I couldn't with know. no, tra- well, now I have to say with no traffic, it is because we're, okay. we got a lot of traffic, but yeah, if, if you do it in the middle of the night, it would only take you 20 minutes. But yes, uh, if in rush, if you try to do it in rush hour, it's going to be about an hour. Yeah. Cause we used to go there. My son used to, my son was into acting. So when he used to go for auditions or filming, I had to rent a car on a monthly basis for four months because his manager wanted him to be there for four months. Oh my goodness, the driving. There is no train system. I love the city. I always say if I win a big lottery, the first property investment I would do would be Los Angeles because that is how I love that city. But uh, there is no, you hardly, like you could drive two hours before you see one bus. So you really need yeah. a car and the traffic is like really, really uh, stuffed up during rush hour, especially. Yeah. 
yeah, you're right. But I remember Long Beach, we used to go there quite often when uh, my son was not working, you know, like it was beautiful. But I don't remember it being 20 minutes. Yeah, at least you explained it. So um, have you written a book? I, well, I just, I'm glad that you said that is I just developed a guide on my website. It's, it's uh, how I was able to rewrite my life and how anybody else can rewrite their own, own life, their own story. Yeah. Uh, it's on my website called action.coach and it's about 50 pages. It talks about how I was able to rewrite my own story, how you can rewrite your own story and how to maximize your day. So I just developed that. I'm really proud of it. I just developed it probably about a month ago. Yo, that's a guide, but you need to write a book with your story and with, with yeah, that's like that. That'll be the next, uh, that will be the next uh, stage. I already know the, uh, the title of my book. It is, mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't, I did not give up my pen. That will oh be my the God, title. You just, gave me, uh, you just gave me goosebumps. Okay. I'm going to keep you accountable. Okay. Jack Hanfield once said, if you write one page every day before in one year, you have 365 pages. I think I said this to someone a few days ago. So nobody wants 365 pages and those days are gone, right? Nobody likes like, like for me, I get put off no matter how good the title, if like a book is this thick, I don't have the patience for it. So um, like a good, you have a beautiful st story and then you could also use it as a giveaway for speaking engagements and then just 150 pages. Yeah. One page a day, right. two pages a day. Yeah. I wrote my first book like in less than three months and it oh, was 100 geez. something pages. Yeah. Less than three months. Cause once I sit down, I sit. Creativity juices were flowing. Yeah. Yeah, I have to be, you have to be in the right mindset. Uh, not, not anytime you're available, like you're able to write. You have to be that day, you have to be in the right mindset with no distractions around you, no phone, no social media, meditate, have your cup of tea or coffee, not wine, okay? A cup <laughs> of coffee or tea and then sit with your laptop, start your document and get going at it. It's that simple. And if you need help with editing and formatting, you come to me. Okay, I'll okay. do that. I'll so, take yeah, you up on so, that, Gabby. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And then, um, yeah, so you have to write your book. All you need is 150 pages. And we, you have all of That's us, to sub, we, we have all of, you have a lot of followers, me being on the top of the list, like Michelle, like everybody else, and uh, yeah. we can help you get it out there. Yeah, no, and I appreciate it. I, I, with my Facebook group, Rewrite Your Story, I love it that you participate on, on a, a regular basis and, and share your insights. Uh, yeah. It really makes my group better because you're in it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, because I believe in it. Like we all have uh, to rewrite our stories. Like I, I'm one of those people who has seen it all, the good, the bad, the ugly. So mm -hmm. I totally understand. I have learned always not to judge people. I have learned always to put, my, to put myself in their shoes before I open my mouth or even have a feeling of judging someone. Um, in my younger days, I was tough. I was like, what's his problem? Like, what's her problem? Like, if somebody, I don't do that. Um, because every single person we know is going through something. Mm -hmm. 
Some of us, we talk about it, some they don't talk about it. So we have to have empathy, we have to have compassion, we have to have kindness, we have to be listeners. So I love your Facebook group. And uh, it is absolutely beautiful and inspiring. And probably like, I'm going to, do you mind if I invite some of my friends? I would love it. it. I would love it if you would do that. I would thank you for doing that. Yeah. So I'm going to invite a few of my network that I am sure they will enjoy that page. Okay. So if you have, that was a beautiful story, my goodness. Uh, If you have to give an advice to someone in grade eight has been bullied or discriminated against or mistreated right now, what would your advice be to him or her? Well, well, the first thing, first things first is we want to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And obviously when you're in that situation where you're being bullied, you're not, you're not feeling safe. You're not in a safe environment. So first things first is you got to find a place where you can be safe. And the first thing that you need to do is hopefully that there is a parent, a teacher, or somebody that you can reach out to and and tell them what's going on. And you're not trying to be a tattletale. I'm not saying you're being a tattletale. You're just, you're, you're telling them what's going on in the situation, not to, to, not to get anybody in trouble, but just to make yourself feel safe and be in an environment that you're in a safe place. That's, that is the, number one thing that you should do is tell somebody do not suffer in silence do not do what i did and go in my room and cry i mean yeah you can do that and get your emotions out but you need to tell somebody you need to tell somebody that you trust because if you do not do that nothing's going to change so that's the number one thing is reach out for help yeah and then don't ever let other people's opinions or teasing or bullying get to you have the attitude of me okay you think so you think i'm not good enough i will show you i used to be like that i am like i'll show you i had that i'll show you attitude i was also um like used to fight almost every friday in school in junior school because like i would because then i used to go to catholic school where my teachers were all italian nuns girls Mm -hmm. only and any lady, any girl who had upset me during the week, I would hold on to it till Friday. So my little mind is that if I go wait for her at the corner outside the school and have a fist fight, it will be forgotten by Monday. Big mistake. You have no idea how many parents came in and how many beatings I got from. When I come home, I get another beating from my mom. So I used to fight a lot. But one thing I learned I think it's because I had a tough mom too. So it's like my brother used to call me stupid when I was growing up, like because he reads 600 pages, Paul, in less mm-hmm. than two hours, he would finish a 600 page book. That's how genius he was. He speaks wow. seven, seven languages he speaks. Oof. So for me, 600 pages, it takes me like a week for me. That's me being an avid reader. It takes me a week. And then he would throw a book like this and then he'd go, this is just stupid like you. And then in my mind, I would say, me stupid, I'll show you. Mm. So I got that attitude, I'll show you from what my brother used to say. He was six years older than me, right? And Ah. then I was like, I'll show you, I'll show you. So that grew up with me. So anybody who tries to put me down, I always make sure I prove them wrong. Mm. 
So that is the attitude. You don't have to fight. You don't have to do anything. Prove all the negative, the naysayers wrong. That would be my advice, right? That is a great advice for schoolers. They have to tell somebody because there are a lot of kids who seriously, uh, they don't even tell their parents. They suffer silently. So that was a great advice. And uh, I'm going to be posting all your information. And then, okay, outside our conversation, I always like to ask some weird questions. Okay. Uh, not weird, like interesting. <laughs> yeah. If you had to visit three countries before you die, only three before you die, which countries would they be? Uh, number one would be Italy. Okay. Uh, Are my, you Italian? My, I am. I'm my uh, my uh, great great grandparents are from uh, Sicily. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, so that would be number one. Mm -hmm. um, Spain would be two. Oh, mamma mia. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then three would be. Uh, where uh, where is uh, it, it's I don't know which one uh, what nation it is in Africa but the one where where it has the the uh, sen the uh, the the park with all the you know different animals and the lions and oh Kenya what? probably Kenya. The safari? yeah I want to go to, safari? yeah I want to go to safari so Kenya yeah, yeah. oh it yeah. was a three hour flight from me and then I never been to Kenya before. Yeah, ah. but I have been to Italy many times, not the Sicily, but I have been like to Rome and Milan and Cremona and uh, Venezia and all those places. Absolutely beautiful. And I have to tell you, you are like an American Canadian, but Italians are crazy. They <laughs> drive, seriously, they drive on a red traffic light and when the police like, like whistles for them. They just uh -huh. give him the middle finger. Like, I have seen oh, a wow. lot of crazy oh. things. They are like, yeah, oh my God. But yeah. they are fun. A lot yeah. of fun. The Italians that I met here in Canada are way more serious than the real Italians you see in Italy. Ah, and the it. pizza. Oh my God. The, the baked pizza. Oh my goodness. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I miss those days. I used to travel yeah. a lot in my day. And then Spain is another place that I have been. It's absolutely gorgeous. And... Uh, I think the only two countries that I have to say from my 22 countries that I visited, the, the only two countries where I was not discriminated because of my color. Spain and Italy? Spain and, Spain and Italy are the uh -huh. two countries that nobody look at me different. Or, wow. Uh, yeah, everywhere I have been is first they look at me, you know, like they stare at you from Germany especially. Hmm. And France, uh, um, but the only European countries from the European countries that I visited, the only two countries that I have never felt discriminated were Spain and Italy. I was oh, treated like know. a queen. I know, seriously. Yeah, so that is that. So if you had beautiful choice, by the way. Thank you. Uh, good choices. And uh, I would love to go to South Africa one day and I would love to go to Kenya for the safari one day too. Um, God willing. And uh, if you had to fulfill one dream before you die, just one, what would it be? Fulfill a, a dream before I die, what would it be? Yeah, something. You know what? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll tell you. I would fill out a fill up an arena 
and the, there would be a green laser light show, and I raise from the stage, and the music's playing, and everybody's cheering, and I get up there, and I start my speech, and, 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 ev and everything goes great. <laughs> oh, that is so beautiful. That is, it's going to happen sooner than you think. I know it. Thank you. That's a beautiful dream. Mine is to be an accomplished pianist. Hmm. How I close just, are you? Huh? How close are you from reaching that goal? It's sitting right there. My son's piano, like that I spent okay. an arm and a leg for. He doesn't even touch it anymore, but it's sitting uh -huh. there. It's just the timing. But uh -huh. yeah, I'm going to start it because I start and I stop and I start and I stop. But it's uh -huh. one of the things that I, I love, like a good pianist would always put me to tears. Oh, yeah, I'm a, yeah, it put me a good pianist, like would put me to tears. So when I need to relax, I always go to YouTube and put the amazing piano, uh, this thing. So that that would be mine. But that is a beautiful dream. But your dream is going to be sooner than you think. So well, thank you. that is that. Any last word for our listeners? Yes. My, my, my last word is this. Mm -hmm. In life, people are going to want to take your pen for you and write your story for you. Yeah. Do not let anybody take your pen from you. It's your story and your story alone to write. Because if you believe you can achieve and you can do great things in this world, you just need the belief. Absolutely beautiful. What a nice way to end this conversation. I am so honored to have you on my podcast, Paul. And I'm sure we're gonna have a second round sometime soon. And uh, thank you so much, and God bless you for who you are. Thank you, Gabby. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay.